Hey everyone, welcome back to Just Mel's Journey with Friends, the podcast. This is part two to Mallory's story. Thank you so much for listening. Two months later, they were like, this isn't working. Um, so then, because I do with the clinical trial, you have to have so many scans every so often. I think it is every three weeks. Um, oh, that's a lot. Of- so they saw it progressing through the scans and my CA-125. Um, so I was taken off the clinical trial. And then I was put on a pill form of chemo called anastrozole. Um, which is typically used with breast cancer patients, um, but it can help with the low-grade cell of ovarian cancer. Oh, um, okay. Which doesn't make sense for me since I'm high and low-grade. But I didn't find this out until I saw my fourth doctor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my fourth oncologist. And um, um, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to continue with, after the anastrozole, I started um, doxorubicin, which is also known as Red Devil. Oh. Um, yeah, I started that in January this year, and I had three rounds of that, and typically after the third round, if your blood marker C125 doesn't start trending downwards, it does, it means it's not working. So... Then they took me off of that and started me on another one, um, chemo regimen called Gemzar and Cisplatin. And I did one full round of that. And then I learned that through scans and my blood marker again, my cancer had progressed. So that's when the doctor was like, I really need you to start thinking about quality versus quantity at this point. Absolutely. And how was that? I can't imagine how that felt to hear that. Um, I think when I asked what my prognosis was and she told me what the prognosis is, that was more of a shock than anything else. Um, because when I was initially diagnosed, I was told that it's a terminal cancer. But typically, you women can live a few years at least. Yeah. Um, but with my specific type of ovarian cancer, cancer, which is um, I have three C epithelial ovarian cancer with both high and low grade serous cell carcinomas. Um, I'm HER two positive, which means I'm, my tumors feed off of hormones. Oh man. Um, and then I have weird genetic mutations, um, which are the NRAS mutation and PDL one mutation. And I am BRCA one and two negative. And I remember when I was looking at, um, when I was doing those videos for ovarian cancer, I remember seeing the BRCA, um, information and for someone that doesn't know, um, what that means, can you explain it? And yeah, the BRCA mutation or BRCA there's one and two. Um, those are marker genetic markers um, and mutations for breast cancer. So typically, if you have someone in your family that is BRCA1 and 2 positive, 
or has had breast cancer, you are more at risk to have ovarian cancer as well. Oh my goodness. Is that, um, and I don't know if you would know the answer to this, is that something that you can just ask a doctor to run the test or yeah. is that, um, cause I think you can have genetic testing done for, for BRCA. I definitely think that's something, especially if you have a family history of, um, you know, breast mm-hmm. cancer, I think that could definitely be something that people should do as kind of a preventative. Um, so, right. so you get told your prognosis and then start talking about quality over quantity. Um, kind of what was your mm-hmm. thought process through all of that? Or is there something more before that? Um, I'm sure so there was a when lot I asked more. her my, what my prognosis is, is um if i did not continue treatment if i did not continue with the gemzar and cisplatin i was she was blunt and she said it's going to be quick and six months or less oh wow um so i panicked absolutely you're thinking you have six months to live and you wanted you have all this this life to live yeah, and then uh, if I would have stayed with the Gemzar and Cisplatin, I could possibly have a year. But if you do the math on that, half of that year would be spent doing chemotherapy and being miserable. Absolutely, and the um, I know I know I have a lot of friends that have cancer, and I've seen with the chemotherapy that their your hair starts to hurt, your bones hurt, your blood hurts, like mm-hmm. everything is just painful, and you or nauseous, you're throwing up, you're just super, super sick. So I completely understand that. Um, how did you have that conversation with your son and like with your fiance and everything? Um, when we heard this news, because my fiance was with me at the appointment, mm-hmm. I think we were both kind of in shock. Um, Absolutely. And I panicked and I was supposed to have chemo that day. So I was like, well, let's just do chemo because I got to think about stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting there in the waiting room to be called back and nothing about anybody on age or, you know, but I'm the youngest one there mm-hmm. waiting to get called back. And I'm looking around the room and I'm like, I know we're all here for the same reason of cancer and chemo, but it's just not fair that I'm dying and uh, yeah and at that, my age where in like everyone else has had life and especially when you just got that news and then to go to chemo and have to think about everything else and um people ringing the bell and everything and you're just th- sitting there trying to figure out what you mm-hmm. can and want to do yeah so it was hard and then so I did that round of chemo, and then the following week, I met with hospice the morning before I was supposed to have more chemo, and um, it was kind of like a weight lifted off of me when I went to hospice and had that meeting with them, because I was so gung-ho about, like, let's finish this round of chemos to say I finished it, mm-hmm. you know, um, but then after talking with hospice, it's like, why should I put myself through that more, more of that pain? <clears throat> when you can have, Excuse me. when you can be comfortable and have that palliative care and everything. Right. Yeah. 
So, um, um, and I know right now uh, you are working with an uh, agency to um, fulfill your bucket list. So I know that we've been working on that. Um, and mm-hmm. so you, um, tomorrow, today, I don't know what day it is, tomorrow, you meet with the bridal store, right? Yes, I go in <clears throat> to pick out a dress tomorrow, hopefully. That's very exciting. Um, yeah, it is exciting, but it also sounds very exhausting. <laughs> yeah, trying on dresses um, and then coming out of them, oh yeah. Yeah, um, but I hope it, it goes well, and then, um, yeah, right now I'm just taking everything day by day. Absolutely. Um, do, what would you, what would be like a recommendation for anyone that's listening to this that may have a uterus, um, or even, you know, anybody that just for ovaries. yeah, with ovaries, sorry. Um, what would you, cause you can still have ovaries even though you don't have a uterus. That's very true. Um, <laughs> what would you say to them for like preventative care or what, anything that, what would you say to anyone that may be in your shoes or might not know that they're going to be in your shoes? Yeah, so there's a few things to know, first of all. Pap smears do not detect ovarian cancer. That's good to know. I didn't know that until you told me that, actually. Yeah, we have to make women aware of this because a lot of women do not know this. Um, the, the, The testing for... There's no real testing for ovarian cancer, unfortunately. But some preventative things you can do if you feel like something's not right is ask for transvaginal ultrasound, um, do MRI, CTs, PET scans of the abdomen and pelvic area. Um, you could do the CA125 blood marker. But again, it's just blood marker or indicator. It's not going to 100% be like you have ovarian cancer from it. Absolutely. It's just a way... Because even if you get uh, a cold, your CA125 can rise. Because that's the white um, blood cells? I'm sorry? That's the white blood cells? Um, CA125, it's um, it's, a, it's just a blood marker. Oh, okay. Um, for ovarian cancer. It's I don't know how to explain it. That's no, just no, no. what they've always used. Totally understand. Um. But the only real way to diagnose ovarian cancer is through biopsies. Okay. Um, I can, uh, symptoms, um, like I, I, I said, I had bloating. Um, I had pelvic abdominal pain, difficulty eating, feeling full quickly, frequent urination, fatigue. Um, some other symptoms can be indigestion, back pain, Pain with intercourse, constipation, and change in your menstrual cycle. So those are all good things to be watching for if you start having those to definitely get into the doctor and see. And I think also telling the doctor, no, I want these, I want these tests run because I know, um, a lot of people that I've interviewed, even myself, you know, sometimes doctors are like, oh no, you're too young. You're too whatever. And you said that as well. And just because you're young, I mean... All of us rare unicorns have shown that just because you're young, you can still have 
yep. something catastrophic happened. Well, and all like, mine is so rare. Um, my cancer, not only because of my age, but because of the genetic mutations and being high and low grade. Absolutely. Um, so I have slow and fast growing tumors. So that's why it was so hard with all the chemotherapies and everything. Like they literally tried everything for me. Um, but after initial treatment, um, if you, uh, if it's less than six months from having treatment and you have a recurrence, you are then considered platinum resistant. So platinum based therapy, chemotherapies will no longer work on you. Oh my goodness. So yeah. And yeah, it's just taking over your body and they, mm-hmm. they can't fight that hard. They tried. No. I, yeah. I freaking try. You can, uh, there are some things you can try to do to reduce the risk of ovarian cancer, but I've also done all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not saying that they don't work. It's just this is things that that they do say that could help reduce your risk, um, which is oral contraceptive use, uh, pregnancy, breastfeeding, removal of ovaries and fallopian tubes, and a hysterectomy or tubal ligation can help um, reduce your risk. Um, Also with mine, my my specific cancer, I have no family history of ovarian cancer. Oh, wow. I, it, mine's not genetic at all. So you just, yeah, you so no, no genetic, and then all of a sudden it has all of the genetics because you have the genetic yeah. mutation and everything? Mm-hmm. That's also a misconception I keep hearing is ovarian cancer is genetic. Not all ovarian cancers are genetic. Um. But you do have an increased risk, again, if you have the BRCA mutation, mm-hmm. um, family history of breast, ovarian, or colon cancer, postmenopausal, and as we get older, your your risk increases. Um, what, there was, I had a really great question. Oh, what are some misconceptions that you've heard that you want to squash right here? Besides the... <laughs> Um, so my biggest pet peeve with this that I've learned through all of this, and though I've had a great conversation about it, and I kind of want to bring it up again somehow, um, maybe this is a good way. Go right ahead. Um, I remission. I have learned through this that there is no such thing as remission for ovarian cancer patients. Oh. Um, you will always have ovarian cancer when you're diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I did not know that. Yeah. You can have no evidence of disease where your scans are clear and they're, you're good. But um, one way, shape, or form, unfortunately, it will come back. So ovarian cancer is just not, it's a very tough one to beat is what mm-hmm. I understand. It's- the deadliest um, cancer for women. So what is something that you want people to keep in mind as they're listening to this or, I mean, understanding that you are on hospice and that I know that the last few days have been harder. What is something that you want people to always um remember about ovarian cancer and about you and about your story if 
anything, I hope that you advocate for yourself when you go to the doctor. Um, don't let them try and just push you aside because you're a woman. No, Absolutely. we have age should not be a factor in this. And this is also part of what I am doing now with an, with one of the organizations um, called uh, Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance mm-hmm. um, or um, ocrahope.org. That's a fantastic resource to learn more about everything ovarian cancer. But they have a program called Survivors Teaching Students um, where we go in and we talk with student doctors about ovarian cancer and our stories. That is awesome. And I will link that website as well, just so everyone knows. But go ahead and talk about that. Um, so I did my first presentation a few weeks ago, and there was not a dry eye in the in the building. <laughs> um, and everyone was like, that's... It's so impactful to see someone, not only my age, but everything I've gone through, and I'm still here advocating and spreading awareness. Absolutely, and you're still fighting, and you still have a smile, Mm -hmm. and you still are helping people. Oh, also, the one thing I, the words I don't like, my least favorite words, don't give up. Yeah, because you're not, it's not giving up. It's, Mm-mm. do I want to lay in bed and be miserable and be sicker than a dog? Or do I want to have this quality of life, make memories with my family? Right. Yeah, I don't... And I don't. you can't tell me to not give up when literally I've tried everything I freaking can. Absolutely. Like, I've fought my ass off. Yeah, you've had surgeries. You've so had it's female. like, between the surgeries and all the different treatments, you can't tell me I gave up. No, absolutely. And I'm not giving up. Absolutely not. Um, when it, so please don't use those words when someone's in hospice care. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, and it just drives me crazy because, <clears throat> or when they're like, oh, get better soon. Like, you realize I'm on hospice, right? Like, how, what, yeah. what do you think is going to happen here? Or like, I don't know what just happened to my voice, but fair enough. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I also wanted it's okay. Um there are four types of ovarian cancer. The most common is epithelial ovarian cancer. Um there's also four stages of ovarian cancer with survival rates after stage three are not the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um but it also I feel depends on the individual. Absolutely. Um, because what worked or didn't work for me isn't going to work for the next person with ovarian cancer. Absolutely. Um, Everyone's genetics also, are weird. And... Uh, Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, about three in four women with ovarian cancer live for about one year after their diagnosis. Oh, my goodness. And almost half are alive at least five years after diagnosis. Wow. Yeah, we need to, there needs to be some sort of way to change, a change. Absolutely. Um, I know, uh, at the university of Arizona right now, they are testing, um, a fluoroscope, which is, uh, eight millimeters 
or less in uh, width to go up through the fallopian tube into the ovary oh. and has a special glow dye that they put in there to see if there are any cancer cells. Well, I really hope that that works and that that starts to be, that's something that we can Test. start using because that would be amazing. Yeah, it would be absolutely amazing to find something like that because like I said, there's no real test. And I actually found out too that ovarian cancer can lay dormant to six and a half years before it's diagnosed. And that's typically oh. why it's not diagnosed until stage three or four. Because it's just been sitting there with no, and women mm -hmm. have a lot of abdominal pain and we have a lot of back aches and all of those different things, or I'm sorry, um, ovary or uh, ovary and uterus havers you know we go through a lot yeah and so some of those things you don't think is anything mm -hmm. um is there anything that you anything else that you would like to talk about or would like to say like to anything that we haven't covered just go get those yearly checkups and like I said if they or you feel anything is off, ask for extra testing. And if the doctor doesn't listen, ask for a patient advocate or find a new doctor. Exactly. I went through four different doctors, a uh, gynecologist. It's insane. And then they say like... Oncologists. Oh, yeah. They're doctor shopping. Yeah, because I want to find someone who's actually going to listen to me. So yeah. Well, my most recent oncologist, she, when she saw everything I've been through she was mad for me because she said I shouldn't have been on half the medicine I was on oh my goodness yeah uh, but I didn't know when you're diagnosed and you're thrown into everything oh yeah you don't know you go with the first person they put in front of you because you think everyone a highly talked about them and b it's like do I have any other choice yeah and where I live there's only two cancer centers. Oh my goodness. So you really didn't have a choice. You were... No. Well, I just want to say that I am thankful to have you in my life, even if it's for a short, short time. And I will make damn sure that something changes. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. Also, especially with the like adult uh, bucket list, that is something that I want to change because... I think that everyone should be able to fulfill their bucket list. I agree. Yeah, there's not, unfortunately, a whole lot of resources. Like, I've worked my butt off trying to find resources, and there's just... There's, yeah. There's, like, three, and you're lucky if you get picked. Yeah, and for adults, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was searching and searching, so if that is, uh, that is something that I am actually working on, and I've been meeting with attorneys and everything, so... I am going to make that. I hope that I can do it before you're before. We'll see what we can do, though. Yeah. And then. Uh, it's just been a, a crazy journey. But I just want to spread awareness and enjoy and try and make a change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will. Um, so with the podcast, I'm going to share it everywhere and it will be available anywhere that you can download a pot, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. So Apple Music, Spotify, uh, YouTube, it will be literally everywhere. Um, 
So I will make sure and it will, it'll be there forever. So you'll always be with us. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I'm going to stop recording. Thank you again for tuning in. And this is Just Mel's Journey with Friends, the podcast. See you next week.